0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Become a Calm Mama. I'm Darlene and I'm your host. I'm a life and parent coach. And I am going to talk today about the five things I say the most as a parenting coach. All right, so let's just get right into it. The first one is be comfortable with your kids' discomfort. So, what I mean by that is really being able to be okay when your child is upset about something. So, Imagine this situation where your daughter like forgets to bring a jacket to the park and she's feeling cold and she's complaining and she's whining about being cold and she maybe even blames you for not bringing one. Now you can feel sad for her because she's uncomfortable and you might feel annoyed because she's whining or maybe you feel a little bit guilty because you did forget the jacket, right? So you're feeling uncomfortable with her discomfort. So you do things to make her stop being uncomfortable so that you can feel better, right? You either give her a coat or you yell at her or you run to the car and you find an old ratty towel, which she refuses to put on. And then you're even more annoyed, right? It's really hard to be around someone when they are uncomfortable, when they're sad, when they're upset. So it's hard to be around discomfort. But it's in those tough moments, especially for our kids, when they are feeling uncomfortable, when they are struggling, that they're actually doing the most learning and the most growing. So I know we all want to raise like responsible kids, right? We want them to learn how to cope and how to, you know, overcome obstacles. But in the messy middle of that, they're going to not know how to cope. Right? They're going to have a situation where they are sad or they're frustrated or they're overwhelmed or they're uncomfortable, and there's going to be some discomfort in the middle before they realize how to soothe themselves or how to problem solve. And that's what we want for our kids. We want them to be able to do that, but we have to be, as the parents, we have to be comfortable right in that messy middle with them. So if you want your kids to learn responsibility, let them miss an assignment right? Let them go to school and freak out and be like, oh my God, I didn't do my homework. I forgot it. Or something that came up in the club this past week. uh, Someone was like, oh, my son left his backpack in the locker room after, you know, a a practice and it has computer in there. And of course, you know, he was upset by it and it's, you know, yes, she offered to go back and get it. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then he has to go through that panic feeling of, I can't do my homework right? He's going to be uncomfortable. And the calmer we are while our child is uncomfortable, the easier it will be for them to overcome that discomfort. So of course, the challenge is for you to be comfortable with their discomfort. So being okay with their discomfort, it means avoiding blaming them. Oh, well, you should have, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You should have, you know figured it out. Why are you so irresponsible, right? Or shaming them. Jeez, you're always such a problem. This comes up with you all the time. Or rescuing them. Okay, I'll go get it. And then actually rescue typically leads to resentment. (laughs) Or saying, I told you, I told you this was going to happen, right? When we say things like that, when we blame our kid or we shame them or we rescue them, or we kind of Um, criticize them. A lot of times it's a way to cope with our own discomfort in the moment. It's because we don't want to feel their sadness. We don't want to feel their frustration. We don't want to feel their feelings with them. We don't want to actually be compassionate because it's making us uncomfortable. So a big piece of what I teach is about compassion and showing up with that compassionate, conscious, respectful, gentle parenting and so how are you able to do that? It is when you are comfortable with your child's discomfort. So that leads me to number two, which is something I say all the time, which is feelings drive behavior. So a lot of times we look at behavior and it's really easy, like if a kid is hitting or kicking or talking back or avoiding chores, not going to bed, not putting on their shoes, not eating, right? We feel really frustrated by this behavior, of course. I want to normalize your feelings. But what we tend to do is we look at these behaviors and we make them mean, oh my God, my kid is rude. My kid is lazy. My kid is disrespectful. They're mean. They're manipulative. And when you're looking at behavior from a lens of criticizing it, then that means you're not looking at it from the lens of compassion, Now, how do you get to that compassion? It's by understanding that underneath that behavior is an emotion. All behavior is driven by feelings. Feelings drive behavior. So whatever your child is doing, they're behaving that way because of how they're feeling about what's going on. It's not because they are bad. And so when I look at behavior, what I teach is that Your child behaves because they're either communicating their feelings or they're coping with their feelings. You know how people will be like, oh my God, my kid is acting out so much lately. Um, Yeah, they're acting out. What are they acting out? They're acting out their emotion. They're acting out their feelings. So when your kid has big feelings about anything, it's going to show up in their behavior and they're going to act out their big feelings. And sometimes the way that they cope, the way that they communicate, it creates problems for other people. And that's why you need limits. But what why I say this all the time is feelings drive behavior is because I really believe that the journey to compassion is from criticism. Like we look at the behavior and we judge it, right? We're like, gosh, this is a this is a bad behavior. <laughs> this this is this means my kid's like not a good kid or something. I know you don't actually say that, but there's a little piece of us that sort of thinks that. So I want you to move from that criticism, from that judgment, from that reactivity through curiosity and then into compassion. You can't get to compassion unless you're curious first about what is really going on here. So when I say feelings drive behavior, I'm really teaching you to look at what emotion could Be happening here. Even if you don't name it with your kid, even if you don't say anything, just your pause and you take a look at them and you're like, okay, what is going on here? What else could be under this behavior? You're going to shift into compassion. It's kind of cool, actually. It's like a hack for becoming a compassionate parent. (laughs) Okay, number three is parent the kid in front of you, not the one you wish you had or the one you're afraid they'll become. So what do I mean by this? Okay. Parent the kid in front of you. Your kid right now in this moment or in this stage of development is going through whatever they're going through and they need support right now. The kid in front of you needs to learn some skills, needs to you know, manage some new emotions, needs to understand what's going on with them, maybe needs some new limits or some consequences. Now, if you look at the kid in front of you and you think, oh man, other kids don't have these problems, or my sister didn't go through this, or, you know, what's wrong with my son? Like, what's wrong with my daughter? Or they should know this already. When you're thinking that, you're wishing they were different. You're wishing that they acted differently like you have expectations right where they you think they should be and when those aren't met it's easy to make those f- failures mean something about you as a mom or your child if you're looking at the child in front of you and you're not making it mean anything about them comparing them to their sibling or their your best friends or your you know sister's kids or whoever If you're not comparing them and you're just like looking at them, you're like, hmm, what does the kid in front of me need right now? So we're not looking at the child and comparing them or judging them or wishing they were different. We're actually teaching them the skills in the moment that we see that they're lacking or we're giving them the support that they need in order to grow. If you make your kid's mistakes or their misbehavior, If you make it mean something about the future or about you or about them, it's going to be really hard for you to think compassionately and it's going to be really hard for you to be clear about what limits you need to be setting. So if your kid makes a mistake or they misbehave, that's really, that's information and insight. If you can be a little more neutral about the kid in front of you and truly look at them with this compassionate lens of like, hmm, who is this person? <laughs> what, where have they come? Like how, how much have they overcome? Like, that's awesome. But what else, what do they need to know right now? You can look at them and think, okay, what do they need to still learn? And if you, you're you able to pause, you're able to set some new limits, offer guidance towards the skills and values. So you want to parent the kid in front of you, not the one you wished you had or the one you're afraid they'll become. A lot of times we parent the kid out of worst case scenario. We panic. We look at them and we're like, oh my God, you need to know how to do this right now. Otherwise, in three years from now, you might not get into college. Or, you know, if you don't know how to go on the potty when you're three, by the time you're five, you're not going to be able to go to kindergarten. Or like a a six-year-old who's still hitting, you're like, oh my God, they're still hitting. They're hitting. They they better learn that. Otherwise, you know, they're not going to be able to go to middle school. (laughs) Now. I'm teasing a little bit because I know we all do this. It's so easy to look at the kid in front of you and make it mean something bad about the future. And then we overparent. We become very controlling. We actually become um, unclear. We kind of start doing that threat, bribe kind of cycle, like, okay, reward, punishment. Like, how do I teach you right now how to become who you're supposed to become in the future? Instead of just like, okay, Right now, I have a six-year-old in front of me who hits. Right now, I have a five-year-old who's pooping in a pull-up. Right now, I have a nine-year-old who isn't at grade level with reading. Right now, I have a 12-year-old who wants to stay on video games all the time. Right now, I have a 15-year-old who's not coming home by curfew. Parent that kid Because they need some skills. They need some limits. They need some compassion. They need your support right now. So parent the kid in front of you. All right. I'm moving through these. Um, Number four is (laughs) one of my favorites. I hardly, I say this often, but um, I don't say it enough. And this is that consistency is bullshit. (laughs) Okay. What do I mean by that? Okay, so parents are always told you should be consistent. You need to be consistent. That's the thing that's really important. You need to be consistent. Consistency, it's a, it's based around this idea that you do the same thing every time, every day in the same way. Right? So why do I think that's bullshit? It's because it's not possible. Like life isn't consistent. You can have a really kick-ass bedtime routine or, you know, chores on Saturdays or homework routine or whatever it is, right? You can be super great at having all of that done. Like these are where the socks go. These are where the shoes go. Whatever kind of consistent routines you have. I love that. I actually teach that a lot. But when you have this pressure that it always has to go the same way, this is especially true when people have younger kids, then There's always something, right? Like a birthday party goes late or, you know, there's traffic and you can't get home for bath or, you know, you said, oh, I'm going to do like every night we're going to do gratitude. And then, you know, three nights in a row, you're not at dinner with your at your table. So you can't do gratitude. It's like, oh, I'm not consistent. Well, consistency isn't the goal. When life happens and it gets in the way of a new routine, you're going to be able to be like, oh, 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 I'm a failure and my kids never listen anyway. I'm going to give up. I'm not being consistent. So it's not your fault. It's like the flaw is in the advice that you're supposed to be consistent. I don't teach consistency. So I teach commitment. Commitment to the routine that you want to create. Commitment to the rule or limit that you're establishing in your family. Committing to the value that you want to have, like reading in the summer or making their bed or, or you know, reading all throughout the year um, or making their bed or like lighting a candle at dinner or doing gratitude work or, um, you know, getting your kids to like, they're going to start doing their own laundry. So you don't have to be consistent. You just need to be committed to that and keep at it. And when life gets in the way, no problem. You just reset, go back. So if you're, not, if you're not focused on consistency and you're focused on commitment, you are going to make whatever you happen, whatever bedtime routine you're establishing or chores or screen rules or no toys at the table. If it doesn't work out right away, you don't need to get so discouraged. You don't need to blame yourself. Instead, you just say, oh, I'm going to reset. What was, I, what was I doing? Why did I want to do it? What was my goal here? Okay, I really wanted to, you know, get these kids to go to bed by eight o'clock. We didn't do it the last three nights. No problem. Let's try again. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to doing this new routine or limit as often as possible. I mean, as often as necessary until it happens. So is it going to happen consistently? No, it is bullshit. It is not possible because of life. And because you're a person, right? You get tired. I don't care. Just use your screen time. <laughs> right? I, that's okay. It's okay if you break your own rules. You don't need to beat yourself up about that. But I do want you to remember why you made that rule in the first place and go back and get recommitted to it. So consistency is bullshit. Commitment is key. Last one. I say this all the time. That is, motherhood is a relationship, not a job. It's a couple things in this. If you're looking at your children as your work, you're going to want to see results. Like they're a product. Like they are, you know, your life's work, right? So if you put that on them, that they're supposed to do something to represent, you know, your work, then either A, you're going to be real disappointed if your kid is not, you know, showing up in whatever way you had in your head that they should. You're going to start to think like, I'm a failure. I'm not a good mom. I'm not good at this. That's, not the way to look at it because being a mom, it's not a job. Our kids are not our work. They're not our product. We're not responsible for some sort of specific outcome with our children and we don't have a lot of quality control, okay? You have these humans, the kid in front of you right now is a person and they have needs and they have skill gaps and they have areas to grow. And what they need from you is you. They need a relationship with you. They want to be seen by you. They want to feel known and understood. If you connect your value as a mom to their performance or their behavior or their outcomes, It's going to be really hard for you to be okay when your kid makes a mistake or fails. It's going to make it really hard for you to show up with compassion for your son or your daughter or, you know, your child when they are struggling because you're going to view that struggle as a failure on your part. The other thing about viewing motherhood as a job is it puts a lot of pressure on your kids. It can make them really sort of feel like they have to please you in order to be accepted by you. It can make them feel like that you, you're judging them because you kind of are right. And it can get in the way of your relationship with them. They might either kind of push away from that narrative of, you know, I'm my mom's job or, you know, they might, I don't, you know, they might, not feel as connected to you and then the relationship suffers it's like this is my work right but my clients are not my job right being coaching you it's that's never it's a relationship that we are in when I'm a coach and we're in a relationship together and the products I put out like this podcast or the program you know, my my courses or my, you know, my workshops and classes and emails and things like that. I have, I want those to be very high quality. But as far as the actual coaching relationship, we're in a relationship. And I'm here to guide and support you and to, you know, teach you and, and help you get what you want out of your life with your kids. And if you can view your parenting that way, like, being a mom isn't a job. It's a relationship. It'll take a lot of pressure off you, for one. And it also let you see your kid, see the kid in front of you and enjoy them and get to know them. And, of course, you're still the leader. You're still going to create rules and boundaries and limits, and you're still going to follow through and teach them, you know, through consequences. Like, you know, if they if they hurt somebody, you're going to, you know, help them repair and and fix the mistakes they make but we don't need to look at their mistakes as a result of our parenting that's that's just never going to work for you or them and it feels terrible it feels terrible for you and it feels terrible for them and so that's why I like to keep framing parenting as a relationship and you're in it for a long time and it's a it's an opportunity to get to know someone at a very deep and intimate level it's a privilege it's not a job So these are my five thoughts that I say, the the things I say the most, right? The five thoughts I have about parenting that I say the most frequently and um, the things I coach on quite a bit. So the first one, be comfortable with your kid's discomfort. The second one, feelings drive behavior. The third one, parent the kid in front of you not the one you wish you had or the one you're afraid they'll become. Four, consistency is bullshit. Commitment is key. And last one is motherhood is a relationship, not a job. So I hope these thoughts help you. I want you to pick one that you like that you're going to think about this week, that you're going to dwell on, that you're going to kind of allow to expand and be like, what else does she mean by that? Because I've kind of laid them out, but there are multiple layers to each of these concepts and they encapsulate quite a bit. So just being able to stop and think like, huh, I'm in a relationship with this person. This is not my job. It's not a performance. Or, huh, feelings drive behavior. I wonder what is going on here, right? Or like, oh, shoot, I'm not parenting the kid in front of me. I'm parenting the kid I wish I had or the kid I'm afraid they'll become. Like, who's the kid in front of me? Or looking and being like, what am I committed to? And where am I judging myself as being like a failure? Where am I thinking I should be more consistent? And then making myself wrong for not being consistent. Get yourself off the hook. Consistency is bullshit. And be able to say, okay, I'm actually just going to recommit to this limit. And then, of course, growing your own ability to be comfortable with your kid's discomfort And that also means growing your ability to be comfortable with your own discomfort. So pick one this week and think about it. And I want to say, if you are like, wait, I want to know more about all the things or like, I really want to talk more about being comfortable with my kid's discomfort. It's very upsetting when my kid cries or when my kid is sad or when my kid is angry or when my kid is, you know, feeling whatever they're feeling. I need help with that. Or if you're like, I don't even know what she means by limits. <laughs> what are those? Like, then you're like, I want help with that, right? If you want help with any of these concepts, I really encourage you to join Calm Mama Club. There's so much cool stuff happening in that group. And we meet, you know, once or twice a week, depending on the week. We've just added a teen parenting teen support group once a month. We have like Calm Mama Happy Hour. We're adding um, Calm Mama Coffee Morning. Like we have a community. We're active on a Facebook group together. We are connected. We're talking with each other. We're getting to know each other. The club is amazing. I love it. I want everyone, I want all of you to be in there. It's $99 a month and you have access to the club, the, the course. It's like there's so many materials and online resources that are on demand available to you. There's the full Calm Mama book. Um, we have the coaching, you know, live coaching with me, group coaching. We also have the Facebook group. And if you want to talk and you don't like Facebook, we can also connect with email, you and me. So there's lots of support in that group. And I encourage you to join. It's coaching.com backslash club if you want to join. And um, otherwise, just keep listening to the podcast. Share it with your friends. We are just tapped almost at 10,000 downloads in less than a year. So it's pretty exciting. I know you guys are loving this podcast and, um, I'm loving doing it. So thanks for listening. And I will be back here next week. Have a great week.